I Love Mortgage Brokering, episode 84. The only podcast for brokers by brokers. I Love Mortgage Brokering will inspire you to up your mortgage business. Join your host, Scott Peckford. Hi, Broker Nation. I am to introduce our guest today, Chad Oyenhart. He's a broker with DLC Aegis Mortgage Services. He owns the company. Uh, he's based at Richmond, BC. I actually met Chad at the DLC National Conference. We we're both shopping at Aritzia. Okay, our wives are shopping at Aritzia. And I looked at him. I'm like, this guy looks like a mortgage broker. He thought the same thing. So I, we, I introduced myself and then found out that he's a big producer, been in the business a long time. And I'm like, dude, we got to get you on the show. So I'm pumped. Chad, are you ready to rock? You betcha. Awesome. And so, uh, actually, I was in Aritzia way longer than you. You guys left and came back, and I, we were there for, I felt like, forever, but my, my wife Yeah, I think to we took them. a little rip around the uh, village there, and we wanted to come back, and uh, you guys were still in there having your shopping spree. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't me. I, was, I mean, there's nothing in there that fits me. <laughs> but, okay, cool, man. So, tell us a little bit about yourself and your business. So, uh, a little bit about myself. I'm uh, married. I'm married about five years. Uh, we just had our first, I think I mentioned that to you as well, when we were in Whistler, we just had our first baby, a mm-hmm. uh, little boy, we named him Jack after my dad, and uh, I've been in the business now for 12 years. Um, as you mentioned, I'm the owner of Dominion Franchise in Richmond, Aegis, and we got, there's five other brokers under me, and uh, we're just a little boutique brokerage right on the water there in Steveston. So how did you get into the mortgage business? Because no one that I've met anyway says when they're in kindergarten, when I grew up, I want to be a mortgage broker. So what was your path to 12 years ago to getting into brokering? Yeah, no doubt. Not even kindergarten. I think grade 12, most people will come out not knowing what a mortgage broker does. But no. um, I was spinning my wheels after high school, after a little bit of university. I went to way to Australia for about a year. And when I got back, my dad, my old man, who was working with RBC for 32 years, uh, was let go in 2000 uh, for somebody younger and cheaper mm-hmm. and was too young to retire at the time. He was 48 and he bumped into an old colleague of his who was brokering and he thought it would be a great opportunity for him. He had a ton of clients, a ton of contacts. So he started doing it and that was 2000, uh, end of 2000, early 2001. And when I got back in 2003 from Australia for my brother's wedding, he was already flying in the business. And he just sat me down after a couple of days and he said, listen, you know, let me show you this. I think it'd be something you'd be good at. And I liked what he was doing. He walked me through everything. I thought right away there was a few ways I could help him, you know, just being a little bit more computer savvy, uh, cleaning up some processes, things like that. And Mm -hmm. so I took the course and got started. Cool. And then, uh, so you run the family business now, right? Yeah, so uh, in 2010, dad passed away uh, mm-hmm. a little bit unexpectedly, rather shockingly. And my brother and I were both in the business at the time, as well as a few other brokers. And so I ended up taking it over uh, in 2010 after he passed away. So yeah, I've been running it now for the last five years. Yeah, actually, I remember hearing about that. Um, I didn't know you at the time, but I had heard about that story. So I'm sorry to hear about uh, about your dad. Yeah, no, thanks. I mean, obviously, a little bit shocking. Uh, he was well known by a lot of the, the older guys in the business, uh, Macklem, Gary Morris. Gary, you know, personally recruited him over to DLC back before when we were with Global Mortgage here in White Rock. And, you know, yeah, I mean, it was a bit of a shock and unexpected. But, you know, for me, with all those guys, you know, he, he carried a big name. I was able to get great support uh, coming out of that and, and taking it over. So. Mm-hmm. 
So before we dive more into your story, I'd love to, I always like to ask about quotes because I love how quotes are memorable. They're portable. They can help keep you on track. Somebody like, I have ADD, so it's a great for, you know, a guy like me to keep me focused. So can you tell me a quote that's really had an impact on your life or business? Yeah, you bet. I mean, one after, mainly after um, kind of what I went through with dad, one of the ones, and I put this on the bottom of my email signature, um, it's a Chuck Palahniuk, Charles Palahniuk quote, and it's, the goal isn't to live forever. The goal is to create something that will. And uh, after my dad passed away, it was uh, a lot of it was me really having a drive to be successful in this business, to keep his legacy. He, he started this company. He started this business. He brought me in. He really gave me a career and a life and something that now I've been doing for 12 years. So uh, a lot of my drive, you know, is based on that quote and, and keeping that legacy that he created alive. So that's a great quote, by the way, the goal isn't to live forever. The goal is to create something that will. So how do you apply that philosophy like on a day-to-day basis? So is it something that influences your day-to-day when you're thinking about decisions and stuff? Yeah, uh, you know, maybe not so much day-to-day, but it's always it's always in the back of my mind in, in how I live life uh, and how I operate. Um, I think as brokers, um, you know, we got one of the best jobs in the world and we are paid very well for what we do. So um, I give a lot back. I give a lot back, not just in, in money, but in time. Uh, a few years ago, I sat down with a gentleman, Sonny Leung from BC Children's Hospital Foundation. He came up with, we, we kind of worked out the mortgage broker giving program. I know a lot of other brokers do this in different levels, but I really worked with him on starting something where I would do $100 uh, from every completed file to BC Children's Hospital. My dad was very uh, influential and, and, and with his time as well, like to give a lot of time. He sat on various boards from BC Children's Hospital um, Foundation he gave. He sat on the board of the Michael J. Fox, um, the Heart to Heart Croquet Tournament, which supported BC Special Olympics. Mm-hmm. So I've kind of started following in those footsteps. I've, I've now joined the Richmond Soccer Board. And it's just something that, that I am always, mindful of trying to give back and find ways to to create goodwill uh, in business. So, you know, I mean, yeah, it, it, it's not always prevalent in every day, but it's always top of mind, you know, if you can help somebody outside of the broker world or even one of your clients with, you know, something you're not getting paid on, um, paying a little bit of it forward is, is definitely a way that I operate life for sure. And so when did you start this mortgage broker giving program? This was back in actually probably 2011. Um, the hundred dollars per file was 2011, um, and it probably went on till about 20, late 2013, early 2014. The program it doesn't really go uh, anymore. BC Children's Hospital changed a few things on their foundation side, and um, it became a little bit more onerous to do it. So I still give money, but not every deal as it was set out. The like I said, the program changed with how they were operating with the thank yous and the cards that were going out. So that ended up ceasing, but lots of other ways still. Right, right. That's cool, man. That's It's good yeah. to actually be, the you know, the whole, you mentioned pay it forward about being systematic about it or having some kind of a float. Otherwise, it's kind of like you always have these great intentions, but then nothing happens, right? You're kind of like, or it happens inconsistently. And that's great. I, one, one cool thing. So at the DLC conference as a side thing, I, I went to that and, um, I, I'm not part of DLC, but there's some awesome people at DLC and it was cool to see how many different ways you guys at DLC give back to the community. Like I, I was very 
it was great to see because there's like things that you guys do in the communities and i thought that was a that's a good thing they're not just thinking about you know building a bigger business so totally yeah and you know that's something that uh, i will say is a, is a good testament to gary as well he's even we joined DLC in uh, in 2008. We've been around for a while. Even back then, that was always something that he talked about. Was back then it was a little bit more on a personal level. But doing what you do is great. But you got to be able to find a way to give back and uh, create a stronger community. And it, it's great to see what he's been able to do with the breakfast for learning and bullying ends here and a lot of the the things he's taken on and the the head office team has taken on themselves. You know, as an owner and as a broker in the company, you feel proud that uh, you're involved in it for sure. Right. Yeah, it's awesome. So I'm going to ask now about failure because I know that um, you've been doing this for 12 years. I'm sure that there's been some failures over that time. But looking back, there's always a lesson in the failure if you take the time to look at it. So can you share something you failed at but and then the lesson that you learned? Yeah, for sure. This one was a hard one for me after thinking about this one for a little bit over time. After dad passed away again, I mean, that was one of those dividing roads, you know, where you, you have a point in your life and you can go one of two ways. My brother and I tried to uh, take the business over together. And one, that was one of the failures we had is we weren't able to make it work together. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we struggled operating the company uh, together. We had different ways of making it, you know, ideas to make it work, different paths wanting to go in. Um, I'd been working side by side, my dad for, you know, the six prior years, the seven prior years uh, to him passing away. And, and Kevin was working a little bit more out on his own. And so, you know, we had different ways of operating and that war, you know, we wore down on each other and the challenges were, were, were high to, to kind of get over the humps together and make it work. So yeah, we, we failed at making that business work together and, and Kevin ended up going his own way uh, outside of the company. Um, one of the things I learned from that family, you know, even though we went through that and they, there was some hard times and, you know, we didn't talk to each other for a few months, but you know, family always comes back and, and um, you know, there's really nothing more important. We've, uh, We've, we've been able to rebond that relationship and, and get through it all. And, uh, you know, I, I'd like to say emotionally, we're both stronger today for it, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting of working with family. That's definitely uh, something that can is wrought with challenges, but it's important to preserve the relationship even over the, like the family relationship over the, you know, where if the working together thing doesn't work, that's, that's fine. Um, as long as you can, you know, keep the family relationship intact yeah and that's and that's where we came at it from was um you know that that first conversation that we both had about why it wasn't working and what you know we were we were starting to get to the point where i don't want to say we were resentful of each other but it was getting to the point where it was very difficult working for each other and that first conversation we had was both at least on the same page of we didn't want our family life to be affected especially after what had happened with dad the last thing we needed was you know two brothers now not talking to each other and dividing the family even more. And, and uh, we were on the same page there. So yeah, no, it is very important to make sure that those family dynamics and family relationships stay intact. Totally agree. I'm going to ask you about processes and systems. You'd kind of alluded to a little bit earlier about how when you started working with your dad, that was one of the areas that you were able to help him. And I like to break down to kind of two parts of the business. There's the administrative side and then there's the sales and marketing side. So first on the administrative side, can you share something that maybe wasn't working as well as you would have liked and then a tweak that you made and the outcome that you got? On the administrative side, yeah. I mean, definitely. You know, I, it's funny. The administrative side and the sales side do tend to kind of work 
uh, hand in hand sometimes. Uh, one of the things that wasn't really working for me was my follow up for thank yous and referrals and, you know, thanks for doing business. And I always had great intentions. You know, I'd write a list of, you know, this week or, or the last two weeks of the deals that closed or the referrals that were given or the people that called and said, hey, I dropped your name here. The intentions were always better than the actual follow up and or, you know, thank you cards. And so I definitely, you know, because I've always been very structured in my business in terms of systems and processes for, um, you know, making a deal work or when you get an email and how I send that out from how I complete files to um, how I deal with documentation. I just decided to think about it from a logical standpoint in that sense and, and apply the same principles. Um, so I searched around for different apps on how to, uh, you know, ways to make it better, came across a couple of really cool ones. And I've been able to streamline that process for, for thank yous and referrals and, uh, and, and making sure I get them out right away. What apps do you use then? Because if I leave it at that, people are going to like message me and say, Scott, why would you ask that question and then not <laughs> not ask the follow-up question? So, because I'm similar to you in that if I don't, I have all, sometimes you can have the best intentions, but with either without a team approach to do it or technology or team to so support that, it can, things fall down. So wh what do you use? Yeah, so the two I use, the two big ones I use are uh, redstamp.com or red, it's actually an app on your phone as well. You, you, it's an app where you can send, I don't want to say generic, but you can send authentic thank you cards via email or via text that actually show up like a thank you card. What I do when I get a, you know, when I get a referral or I, somebody says, you know, hey, I got your number from Cindy and all what I'll do is I'll send Cindy a, a thank you card on Redstamp and it's free. You can download the app. You can customize each message. So you can pick, there's over a thousand different pre-designed cards for thank yous to happy birthdays to congratulations to all these different ones. You can pick your card, you can customize your message, and then you send it out as a text and they get it as a thank you card. So they can open their text message, see that they got a thank you card, look at it, and it's customized saying, hey, um, you sent me a referral of your friend Bob, just wanted to say thank you very much. And I actually lead that into one of the other apps that I got, which is Gusto. Mm-hmm which I think you've actually mentioned on your show as well. Yeah, I have, yeah. And uh, so what I'll do is I'll put in that message on Redstamp. I'll say, hey, just a little thank you. Uh, you know, you're going to get another text right now um, just with a little, you know, a little gift from me. Um, you know, go out and enjoy a drink, and then I'll send them a Gusto gift card where they can go out and then have a drink. And I have had tremendous response from that. Uh, you know, as we get a little bit more tech-savvy and electronic, people love getting that. They get the, you know, the Gusto gift card on their phone that they get to keep and use without having to carry around a gift card. But the thank you card always right in front of that link um, so they can always reference it too. So I've had a lot of great response. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. It's, and it's nice that like it's like a one-two punch because the Gusto app is great, but it, it's not like, and you can write a note, but it doesn't, it's not like, I'm, I just opened up the Red Stamp website and it's not as visual in terms of like just as a thank you. So you kind of reference the two together, you use the Red Stamp and then the, the Gusto layered on top of it. Yeah, that's just it. And like I said, you know, the red stamp comes as an actual thank you card as a text message, which is, I find it very cool. Not just a, you know, not just, a, like you said, you know, with Goose. So I think you get maybe 40 or 50 characters to write in there. So it's nice to get, but the thank you card, you can customize it a little bit more and send a different, you know, different design every time. 
Right. You know, that's awesome. Okay. So now I'm going to switch gears to, although that's an administrative process, it's kind of sounds a little bit like sales and marketing, but that's okay. So I want to ask. Yeah. About, they kind of overlap, but they, yeah, they do overlap for sure. And I, I get that like a good sale, a good administrative process will actually support the sales process and, and get you more business. But can you share something on a sales and marketing side of your business that maybe wasn't working the ways you would liked and then a change that you made in the outcome you got? I've always been tweaking with, you know, thank yous. I have a few different processes. I know some people tend to do one thing that works and sticks with it. I tend to always can constantly try different things. So one of the other things I, I, I was doing when my process wasn't working for thank yous, I started sending out handwritten thank you cards, which is something we used to do a long, long time ago. Mm -hmm. And we got away from, we started using send out cards. We started using, you know, templated stationery that we would get printed out at Staples. I, I started going back to, went to the store, bought actual thank you cards, started writing out thank you cards, and then sticking a gift card in them. I would do it with a certain different demographic. I'd do it with a little bit older of a demographic. Um, and then I'd do follow-ups. I'd, I'd make sure that they got the gift card, first of all. Um, and, you know, just once again, thank them with either an email or a phone call. And I found that started turning into a few more referrals and leads from the older demographic as well. So I have different, you know, processes and systems that I do for different demographics. And that was one that I found worked best on the sales side, I guess, very similar to my systems and processes, but um, one I found that worked best for different demographics. Yeah. You know what? I think it's just recognizing that it's, you, it's good to have a system and a process, but you have to also tailor it to an audience. And one message is not appropriate for, like, there's no one, there's no magic bullet that you're going to be like, this is perfect every situation. And, you know, recognizing that and then, and making some of the little internal adjustments is smart. And I agree with you. There's something about a handwritten note too. That's, there's also something powerful about it. It's slower. It's something I'm, I've been working on the last little while. It's not something I've done consistently, but it's important. Yeah, it doesn't work. It doesn't work for everyone. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, you know, if you if you pick the you pick the uh, the right demographic or the right person to try it on, I find that the response you get from a handwritten thank you card seems to be better than you know a more powerful response than any other response I get from anything else. Right, that's awesome. So I'm going to ask about cross selling. One of the things that I've talked to a lot of mortgage brokers is that there seems to be kind of two camps. One that says you need to cross sell, you know, uh, other insurance products and stuff. Another camp that says no, just do mortgage brokering. Just wanted to know which camp you fell in, and and if you do cross sell, what area you're focusing on. I uh, I'm actually one of those brokers that's probably on the minority. I'm in flux right now. I have been in the camp for the longest time that I don't cross sell. Mm -hmm. um, I have some very good, very strong relationships with some insurance guys, uh, insurance and investment guys that uh, that send me business. And as such, I refer out, um, you know, every insurance on all my files pretty much with exception to a few uh, back to these guys, you know, send them the business and whether or not they can do it. But what I've started to find in the past four or six months of trying is that there can be a need for both. So now what I'm starting to focus on a little bit more is the MPP and the life insurance through the broker channel. Mm -hmm. There's a competitive edge for the broker to, you know, for me to be able to sign them up right at the time of client signing. I've found that it hasn't really interfered very much with the relationship that I have with my insurance guys. I'll still pass them over. There's, there's the need for so much uh, varied or different insurance these days that they can still sell to the client's critical illness or, 
you know, potentially find an investment option or a, or a whole life. And, and if that's the case and they deem the MPP later down the road isn't uh, valuable, then they can, uh, you know, the clients can cancel that MPP or the life insurance that they get, you know, with no charges. So I've now really started focusing a little bit more on, on signing clients up uh, or talking to them about the benefits of getting life insurance on the spot through MPP. Right. Yeah, that's really good. So, and again, it's about just being aware that you've got to pay attention to your process and your business and make adjustments. Um, you know, like you said, you were trying this process. What I found for me in the past anyway, is that when I've had, when I've successfully said to someone, Hey, you need the MPP. And then I say, hey, Oh, but you should chat with someone else and get like a second opinion. Their chances of meeting that person are significantly higher if they've taken the MPP than if they haven't. So it's almost like in, in order to, I found for me, in order to get a successful referral, I almost need to pre-sell them on the MPP and say, look, this is a great, you know, it can be great, but there can be stuff, other stuff that's better. Why don't you talk to someone and then you can replace this. And then people tend to be more open to wanting to have that meeting. But um, that's just. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, MPP offers such, you know, some of those good benefits, like a 60 day return as well, which is. Uh, a lot of people will say, yeah, 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 that sounds great. And then not look at insurance for four or six months. So what I tell them is, listen, I know I've been doing this for 12 years. You're going to say this. Mm -hmm. So why not sign up for MPP? You're covered until you're ready to make that phone call and look at your other insurance options. Then when you want to cancel this, yeah, you don't get your premiums back, but at least you were covered for the six months until you have something that works for you or maybe is a little bit more comprehensive that fits your needs. Otherwise, this is going to do, you know, clients mm -hmm. respect and they find that that's, um, that's something that works for them. Yeah, that's really good. I'm going to move to the rapid fire questions. So these are the, you can answer the shorter, shorter answers if you like. What's the number one thing holding back most mortgage brokers from being successful? Themselves, for sure. And what one thing or habit do you think has made you successful? I treat my career uh, like it's a regular job, meaning I don't take days off. I uh, I really hold myself accountable to, to getting work done and, and uh, coming into the job every day to do something. Mm -hmm. Do you have an internet resource or software program you use to make your business more successful? You mentioned Red Stamp and Gustos or something. Anything else? Yeah, I do. I use Dropbox. I use uh, Dropbox for a lot of different docs. Um, you know, I, I go back and forth between working from the office and working from home, and that helps. Um, I'm also on Auto, which I'm sure most brokers are probably familiar with for, mm -hmm. um, you know, document storage and uh, deal tracking, which I find helpful. Right. Yep. I've heard good things. And if you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be? The Ultimate Sales Machine by Chet Holmes. Love that book. It's so good. It when is did good. You, he died, hey? Did you hear that? I did hear that. I was actually just introduced to this book too, to a mastermind session with Dustin Woodhouse and a few other good brokers a, a month and a half ago. And uh, I read it right away and, and loved it. Yeah, it's it's a, all about educational-based marketing, and it's so good. If anybody hasn't read it, go get a copy. It's wicked. And then, so where do you think your industry's headed? Where's the opportunity? Man, I think that uh, it's hard to say specifically where it's headed, but there's there's so much opportunity everywhere. I mean, we've all seen the numbers on, you know, how much share of the business brokers are actually getting. There's really opportunity everywhere. You just gotta you just gotta look for it. You just gotta make some calls and pick up the phone and start getting out there. Mm -hmm. Here's the last question. One of my favorites. It's a DeLorean question. Remember the movie, The Back to the Future? Yeah. And so there's the car, you get in it, you can travel in time. So if we could put you in the DeLorean, send you back 12 years, and you could sit down and have this conversation with yourself to say, hey, Chad, you know, this, do these three things, your business will be better for it. What three things would you tell yourself? 
I actually think, just so you know, before I answer that, I think today's the uh, today's the Back to the Future day. It is. And I was going to mention it because this, this episode is yeah. not going to go live, but it is October 21st, 2015 is the 30-year advance. You're right. So anybody listening, this mm-hmm. is when the interview actually happened. Watch the movie. They jumped to today. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. What the three things I tell myself, take chances, number one. You know, there's too many times early in my career that I was afraid to approach or ask for business or ask for a referral. So definitely take chances. Number two, be confident. You know, I've always known the information or knew what to say. But as a young guy, I think especially in this business back then anyway, it was a bit of an old boys club. So, you know, be confident with what you're saying and and really, you know, show people that you know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And the third thing I'd say is go variable. You know, uh, I think <laughs> what we've seen for the past seven years, a lot of people talking about fixed. I'm sure, you know, I just tell it, go variable as much as you can. Mm-hmm. No, no, it's, that's, yeah, no kidding. And then, you know, 10 years ago, buy as much real estate as you can and hold on for dear life. Um, if you totally, could, you yeah. Know. And Apple stock, like, man. So um, I really appreciate your time today, man. Where can people find you online? Uh, they can find me online, uh, chadoanhart.ca. That's my website. And are you guys hiring? We're always hiring. Yeah, I, uh, we're, like I said, we're a boutique brokerage. We're a family fit. My cousin's one of my brokers, um, one of my parents' old neighbors. Um, we're, we're a family fit. We turn people down if they're, if they're not a fit for the business. Um, we're looking for full-time. We're looking for good brokers, and, and we're a great group of people. So, yeah, we're hiring. Okay, awesome. So anybody listening to this, they can go to ilovemortgagebrokering.com. They can get links to Chad, to his site, everything that we talked about, um, the programs. Chad, man, I really appreciate it, and I hope you continue to crush it. Thanks, Scott. I really appreciate the uh, opportunity. This was fun.